Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 432, and today we'll be talking about Follies at the Coven Day Parade from the Owl House. I'm TC13. And I'm Sorin. Kikimura finally gets some real shine. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it does not shine very brightly. Well, I mean, it shines as brightly as her heart. Exactly. I really do love the characterization they had of her in this episode. How, like, the kind of, like, pathetic loser <laughs> sort of <laughs> characterization of her. How she's, like, so sad, um, but also so very willing to double-cross anyone who's nice to her. Which just compounds her sadness. Well, to be fair, she didn't double-cross her because she was nice to her. She double-crossed her because, hey, I heard I was promised a promotion. Just like Spongebob, a a promotion! Well, her promotion was to not be executed. What, she got promoted to head of of the logistics department. What are you talking about? Yeah, I bet she'd be so happy behind a desk. Yeah, this this was great. We also got to see Tara Snapdragon her first, like, speaking role, mm. and they do make Terra terrifying. Oh, yes. She was so scary. So let's let's get a quick, uh, quick episode summary. Oh, that's right. Luz is kind of angsting about her mother asking her to not go back to the demon realm. She doesn't want to tell, you know, Amity and the others about it. But uh, Amity figures out something is up and ends up with Luz's phone, where Luz has been recording all of her Basically her video diary where she explains to her mother what's been going on. Now, Amity doesn't end up watching this, but we don't figure that out until the end. Not the end end. Um, Near the end. Amity goes to Willow's house and uh, she braids her hair while they talk it over. It's nice seeing them together again. I agree with Amity. Mm-hmm. It's nice seeing them repair their friendship. Yeah, and Willow being just really chill, especially with Amity being like extremely high strung. And, like, it's funny because to a lot of people, Amity's, like, kind of barging in behavior would have been considered rude, but, like, I really appreciate Willow's emotional maturity to be, like, she's going through a lot right now, and she might not necessarily intend that behavior to be like that. She really needed counsel. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate Willow's maturity there. So when Luz sees Kikimura going through some serious stress, her mother saying, hey, don't you do your job thing, you come to this family reunion in Latissa instead, Luz is like, hey, if I can help Kikimura fulfill both of her obligations, then that would mean I would be able to fulfill both of my obligations. And so she shanghais the Owl House crew into helping kidnap Kikimura from the Coven Day Parade. <laughs> Only uh, things don't go so great because Tara was on to them, and uh, tracks them down. Amity was, however, expecting Luz to do something silly, because she has also read the Azura books that Luz based her fake kidnapping plan on. Yeah, Amity read Luz like a book. And so Amity is there to A, protect Luz when Kikimura double-crosses her, because she heard Terra Snapdragon wave a promotion in front of her, and uh, she's also there for Tara to be like, oh, hi. Uh, Tara does not actually want to fight Luz. She was only there for Kikimura. And she says, in fact, the Emperor looks forward to meeting Luz, which will become important later. They did already kind of meet. And Amity points that out. The writers wanted you to be wondering, 
what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, like, Bellos always intended to tell Luce his real identity. Like, I bet he was shaking with anticipation. No, this is a, this is a reference to the, uh, to the field trip Luce goes on with cool Aunt Lilith later. Oh, yes, that's true. So they did meet that time, and Bellos does remember it, because the time travel no. in this world is cyclical. The time travel always happened. Yeah, it was like, it was like faded. So, um, yes, but he, she did, did also like meet Bellos when she blew up the portal door. Yep, but that was not chronologically in his timeline the first time they ever met, so. That's true. That's why he's looking forward to meeting her. Because he's going to meet her for the first time shortly, from Luz's perspective. There was also a whole storyline while Luz was kidnapping Kikimura, Ida was kidnapping Rain because she's like, why is Rain working with the Covens again? Rain was uh, actually helping me work against the Covens. So she's actually quite interested to have a little chat about that. Doesn't go well for her. Uh, she can tell when Rain is going easy on her, and Rain definitely was going easy. Yeah, Ida doesn't have magic anymore, and she's not as proficient with the glyphs as Luce is. Luce, you know, runs out of the right glyph and can draw it on a leaf in a snap second and <laughs> start using it again. Ida, once she runs out, is kind of out of luck. But yeah, it we do see Rain do he blows on the T and that horn, and you can see him kinda you can see them kind of whistle as they blow into the yep. the thing, and it's revealed in a later episode. I missed that in the I just did not grasp that as having any significance at all. But when we get the flashback episode and Rain's like, hey Ida, look what I can do. It's like, oh, that is exactly what happened to the mind control T. Rain was never mind controlled. Yeah, and like, I noticed the whistling, and at first I was like, maybe Rain is just extra like that. Like, every time they blow on anything, they got a whistle because they're just <laughs> drama dramatic. You don't get to be the head of the Bard Coven without being a little dramatic. Although apparently you can be the head of the Bard Coven with horrible stage fright. <laughs> That's politics for you. Uh, poor Rain, who's just such an introvert, and despite being a performing arts major, hates the actual act of performing the art. Well, maybe Rain always desired to go as part of an orchestra. You're gonna see, like, lots of violins in any given orchestra. You know, Rain's not out here saying, give me the solos. Well, the thing is, is that the skill needed to make and play dope-ass music is not necessarily the same skill as, like, having a strong public relations. Which is yeah. why, like, independent authors on Twitter are like, I'm tired of being my own PR manager, like, can I just be a weird recluse who writes novels? Because that's the majority of people who write novels. I think you kind of have to be weird to do that sort of thing. <laughs> and, and I appreciate how it's played, how, you know, sometimes artists, even if they're excellent in their field, are not always, and frequently aren't good at, like, people, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, even if they are extroverts, they're still, they're still weird as heck. That definitely describes Rain. Anyone who would date Ida isn't all right in the head. I would, a significant amount of the fandom would date Ida, let's be real here. Okay, but that's being a nerd. Like, Rain liked Ida before it was cool. Um... I probably would have had a crush on Ida if I went to school at the same time as her. Mm. Lilith definitely would have been more my speed. 
<laughs> That's um gotta jot that down in the GC lore. <laughs> Has a thing for nerdy know-it-alls. I mean, Ina's kind of a know-it-all too. She's just not a nerdy know-it-all. Besides, did you see Lilith's napkin folding? The girl deserves more credit. Well, Ida, Ida's a nerd, and Ida's an intellectual, and Ida's incredibly, like, skilled and knowledgeable in her craft, but she's also not a filthy rule follower, like Lilith is. <laughs> she is an agent of chaos. Yes, exactly, which immediately makes her way cooler than Lilith will ever be, and um, establishes a lot about her character. Back to the episode, I'm wondering, like, when they were using the inv invisibility spell, and Ida picked up Rain. I imagine Rain is not going to be holding their breath while being carried around. So mm. unless Ida used the plants to cover Rain's nose and mouth, which is terrifying, is it just the spellcaster who has to be holding their breath? I think we're overthinking this, but that would be interesting to see. I don't think we'll uh, get a chance now. Not nearly enough uh, episode in our future, sadly. Yeah. I mean, the show writers have been pretty consistent with the continuity of how their magic works. Like, even when magic is used to, for plot reasons, like, there's still some established logic as to why it can work like that. Like, they don't pull magic out of left field and be like, it works because magic is real. Like, they, they've established throughout the show, like, what is and isn't possible. And that's why, like, when they introduce the collector and the collector just moves the moon out of the sky that's why it's so terrifying because it breaks the established rules in the show okay i'm looking at the i'm looking at that shot right now ida covers rain's mouth with the vine and it is butted right up against the nostrils so if you kind of squint <laughs> your eyes and tilt your head you can say that the nostrils being blocked by that vine too uh terrifying absolutely terrifying you know what i think rain would agree with you <laughs> well, I was just kind of going back. It kind of occurred to me that the day of unity occurs during a solar eclipse. And when the episode actually and happens. And when the tide is at its lowest. Which is, which is not possible. Right. Because the way that tides work is that the tides are always at their highest when it is either directly above in the sky in the noon position or directly beneath in the midnight position. And then the, tides are at its lowest when it's like on the horizons the moon because the moon pulls the water towards itself so if the moon is directly overhead it's going to be high tide like the new moon high tide is one of the stronger ones and solar eclipses always happen during new moons i think there's a bit of the cosmology of the boiling isles that we're not aware of that makes that reasonable it seems like a strange thing for them to carelessly drop into the script otherwise um but it's it's literally not because it's just like if you have earth moon sun in a straight line with the moon in the middle the light that hits the moon is on the side of the moon that's not facing the earth right if you can picture the three in your mind Imagine that, you know, how they live on the Titan, and that's the island that the Boiling Isles take place on. Well, there's a whole big planet. Now, let's just, I'm just going to make something up that would explain this, but you could explain this all sorts of ways. Let's say that the planet itself is a giant creature, and the ocean is kind of like the air it breathes or the lungs. Now, 
when the moon is at the at the highest place and it's eclipsing, the creature is at its strongest. So it breathes, it's breathing in. So it has more ocean in it. Tide is low. All there has to do is be something controlling the tides other than the moon. And we can say it makes sense. But the day of unity is already related to the moon, right? Like it's implied they go together. Well, yeah, that's why I would say, you know, the, the magic is at its strongest at this point. That's when the draining spell would be most effective. Also, like, wouldn't it be the Titan exhaling and thus becoming smaller and thus losing height above sea level where the tide would be highest? Oh, no, we're not. The Titan would be way too small to have the effect we're needing. This would have to be something much bigger. Well, it's just decreasing its own... Like, if you're laying in a shallow pool of water and you inhale, your chest expands and you rise above the water level. But if you exhale and your chest shrinks, you sink below the water, lower into the water. Yeah, but in this example, we're breathing in water, not air. Okay, so... We could make it work. We could come up with something that made it work, so... (laughs) I think that all this means is that there's something that's impacting the tides more than just gravity. I think maybe they meant to say highest. Because the tides aren't brought up again as, like, a factor of the Day of Unity. So maybe Bellos just forgot if it was going to be the highest or the lowest and was just saying yeah. it to be cryptic. I mean, to be fair, he might have just made that up. He might have just wanted something <laughs> cool. I, to be yeah. fair, I, I was I was really hoping for Bellos's face to just be a mirror and the real emperor having been society the whole time. I would have liked that. Well, <laughs> we, yes, I know we we've have met seen him already. his face before. Uh, we've seen his face before, though. It was revealed in a previous episode. Yeah, well, that's his body double. The mirror Bellos is the real Bellos. Yes. Society. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, it's a very rebellious teenage idea. Yes. Also kind of funny that Bellos's face disfigurement is not particularly shocking to a Boiling Isles population, right? Because they were all like, oh, it's the face of a bug, which wouldn't even be, like, the... Kind of, even with, like, typical line witches, they will still have, like, whack things going on, like, um... Basha, three Basha eyes. Basha with the three eyes, um, Steve with the horn. <laughs> Very common, right? Like, nobody considers it to be a shocking thing whatsoever. It's like somebody taking a mask off and revealing that they have freckles, where it's like, okay, well, <laughs> lots of people have those, it's not a big deal. Hey, you try growing up as a red-headed stepchild. Well, I didn't say ginger, I said freckles. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> um, the, what they do consider to be a monstrosity is Hootie, which I love. <laughs> That's <laughs> not the first time he's heard that! Not the first time I heard that! Absolutely great, and wonderful line delivery also. He, he, he legalized stealing, so I, I don't see how anyone could come after Luz for taking Kikimura. Hootie legalized stealing? Yeah, who do you legalize stealing? He's their emperor. He's not just their emperor, he's their god. Yes. Who do you spoken? How did you like, how did you like Luz covering King's ears so he doesn't have to hear bad language from Ida? Very adorable. I do like how they more and more characterize King as like being the little brother who needs to be protected. And yet they send him to Edric to get fireworks. I mean... That was probably the least amount of danger he was going to get himself into. Because Edric, Edric in all his antics, will look after King. Would that make you more interested or less interested? (laughs) King has to think about it. It would absolutely be the illegal fireworks. Yeah. 
I mean, they they were there to commit a, a a grand heist. Yeah, treason. We want to steal a second in command and a coven head. We're not even going to pay for them. <laughs> How much money do you think Bellos would charge for Kikimura? Because you know she's up for sale. Um, like, what if Odalia just wanted a pet? Kikimura would be free. Bellos was already on the fence about having her executed. Oh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna replace her with Jacob anyway. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's not a coven head, so um She is unnecessary. Yeah, not needed. Right? So even Hunter he keeps around. For some reason. I I do love though Bellus's uh the way he fra- phrases it. The worthy shall inherit a world free of wild magic, and of course in this case, the the worthy is basically non-witches because all the witches have the brands and all the witches will be dead oh yeah all the witches and the biped magic using demons which means i guess he's okay with beast and bug demons i mean i don't see how anyone could be against the fairies they just want to eat your skin and they make great pies and do little dancing (laughs) only when they're communicating yes true poetry i appreciate that amity and luz can shred i wasn't expecting that it's not easy skateboarding on cobblestone, but, you know, they made it all the way to the docks. Very impressive. With two people on a skateboard, that is not easy. I mean, it's an abomination skateboard, so for all we know, the abomination is doing all the work. I mean, that's what they're there for. That's balancing on a slab of wood or wood-like structure with just your feet. Eh, it could be stabilizing itself. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, Amity is pretty good with the Abomination stuff. I wonder if it would be extremely funny, because, like, Amity would not have made a skateboard unless she knew what skateboards were. So imagine Amity being a better skateboarder than Luz, which is <laughs> <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Well, I was just thinking maybe it was Gus who taught her about it, but then I realized Gus was gold in this episode. Do you think Luz's mother knows about high fives? <laughs> he probably high-fived that poor woman for months on end. As ridiculous as it sounds for him to ask if a human knows about high-fives, at least he's not just assuming that all humans know every human thing. It's like, not all pearls know each other, Stephen. Pearl said about somebody she knew very well. <laughs> well, sometimes you just have to defend your dignity. There are absolutely situations where someone has been like, oh, you're this demographic. Do you know this person? And I absolutely do know this person, but on principle, I have to be like, <laughs> how could you? But yes, Follies at the Coven Day Parade, very strong start to the second half of the season. Yeah, God, like, I forget that there's so much still left because the last, the second half of the season just races by. Yes, this is all arc all the time, baby. Yeah, and they even make like a, a reference to it. Yep. We don't have 20 more episodes, so we can't have a beach adventure. Yeah, I know. Which is really bitterly. sad, because nobody is going to bury Gus in the sand. You know he would want to be buried in the sand. Oh, he would love that. Maybe they had that on their summer adventures. Maybe he got buried in the sand. We can only hope. I'm just imagining like him constantly high-fiving Camilla. Because um, <laughs> she really uh, did become a mother of six. Because that's the thing, right? Which is really Sorocco's funny. Sorocco's Modern Life episode. As somebody who's been the caregiver of little kids, right? Like, you teach them high fives when they're really young, like less than two, and then they think it's the sickest thing ever. They love high fives, right? Getting a high five means you're the coolest toddler on the block. Absolutely 
like it's just it's such a beloved interaction right like little kids getting and giving high fives perfect they love it the absolute highest praise you can give to a two-year-old so <laughs> extremely funny that gus is getting to experience the uh the little joys of giving high fives giving and receiving high fives he has an appreciation for the finer things in life can't yes. blame the little dude Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Follies at the Coven Day Parade. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm Soren. Leave us a comment or a review. Later, everybody. Bye! Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.